Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. So uh, we started a sermon series last week called Union with Christ. And basically I talked about the fact that over the centuries, We've kind of lost the heart of the gospel. We've lost the treasure of union with Christ. And in so many ways, Christianity has kind of drifted back into what we call normative religion, just keeping rules, hoping that if we're good enough, we'll please God, and knowing that if we're too bad, or thinking that if we're too bad, then he won't be pleased with us. And, and that's every major religion, that you have a deity, has a bunch of rules, you've got to keep the rules, and that is not Christianity. That is not the gospel. We also talked about that the gospel has been truncated, and, and in American Christianity, if you ask the, the, the Christian on the street, what's the gospel, they'll tell you something like this, Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago for my sins so I could be forgiven so I can go to heaven when I die. Well, that's really good news for my dad who's 88 and a half and is probably facing you know, his last few months on earth. That's good news for him. But not so much for the 20-year-old who just got jilted by his girlfriend or, or the 30-year-old that, that just took a new job and is scared to death that they're not going to be able to cut the grade or the 40-year-old who is facing a midlife crisis because, you know, uh, life hasn't turned out quite like I thought it would. You know, what does, that have to, what does that gospel have to say to me? Pretty much nothing because I'm not facing death it's great that I go to heaven when I die someday. That's wonderful news. But how does that impact me now? And that is not the gospel. That is a small part of the gospel. It's kind of where the gospel begins. The cross is kind of the starting point of the gospel. But the heart of the gospel is union with Christ. Is you and Christ, I and Christ are like this. Like we're one. But we don't, we don't experience that. Why is that? I believe that it's primarily because we don't believe it. I mean, we, we believe it with our heads, but we don't believe it with our hearts. It's, it's a, there's a disconnect. You know, you have great theology, but when it comes to living this thing out, you know, like I said, Sunday morning, we, you, you worship like you just did. And then I, I preach, or Dennis preaches an inspiring sermon. Dennis, I really like that you like your sermons, by the way. We, we do too. But, and I know your wife does. When Marina has to choose between hearing me or hearing Dennis, she always wants to hear Dennis. So anyway, but, um, and I, I don't blame you. He's better than me. But here's the point. We preach inspiring messages. I mean, we try to. We, we pray to. You know, we, we, we're on our faces. Lord God, please anoint me. Give me the word for the morning. We're not doing microwave meals here. We're trying to serve up, you know, home-cooked, homemade, hot meals here in terms of, of preaching the word. And you hear those sermons, and you're like, yes, you know, that is so good. That is so right. That is, that is where I want to live. And then by Wednesday, when life is hitting you in, face, in the face, and those when those waves in the wind, you know, is, is, is spilling over into your boat and you feel like you're going to drown. Well, where is this ins- inspiring message then? Where, where is this Jesus that I was worshiping on Sunday? You know, we sing about, you know, sing a hallelujah, you know, you know he's my victory, he's my, he's my anchor in the storm, but 
You know, where is he on Wednesday? Where is he Thursday morning in the boss's office when you're getting reamed out for failing to, you know, cut the grade and, you know, with your quota or whatever? I mean, honestly. And so I want to talk, talk about this morning, you know, I, we, we lost the treasure of union with Christ because that's, we tend, <laughs> human beings tend to drift away from the unseen into the seen. We tend to drift away from grace into works. We tend to drift from, from truth into lies. We tend to believe the, the lies that the enemy whispers to us more than the word of God speaks to us. We just do. <clears throat> it's just being part of the fall. And so this morning I want to talk about what is union with Christ? And how is that real for us? What is union with Christ? What is it really? Because if we understand that, maybe we just might begin to walk in that. When I first came to the church, I was associate pastor, and there was a young woman about my age, maybe a little bit older, and uh, we were, you know, I don't remember, maybe we were having dinner with, you know, family, or I was having, because I was single, having dinner with their family or whatever, but she asked me a question, and uh, she said, she said, Neil, I've been reading Ephesians, um, like you guys hopefully have been. Ephesians 1, and um, I keep seeing this phrase, in Christ, in him, in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? And being the brilliant theologian that I was, just graduating from seminary, I said, "Uh, let me get back to you on that, because I had no idea. (laughs) And you know, I never did answer her question, because the years passed, and she left the church, and I still couldn't figure it out, And, and, you know, it's, it takes time, and I'm going to talk about that. It takes time to really grasp and understand what it means fully. But I will say it means two things. It means that you are in Christ, and Christ is in you. Now, that settles it all. I can pray, and you can all go to lunch, all right? You are in Christ. Christ is in you. Hallelujah, amen, Goodbye. Don't, don't leave, please. I'm just kidding. It dawned on me this morning when, when Dennis was sharing communion, he said, we, we in, in our uh, realm of, of church, churchianity, so to speak, we only celebrate two, uh, well, actually three ordinances. One is marriage, which is a symbol of Christ and, and his bride, the church. But we, sim- we, we celebrate baptism and we celebrate communion. If you think about it, Baptism, we're baptized into Christ. We are in him. We died with him. We were buried with him. We were raised with him. We were seated with him in heavenly places. That's what the, the whole death, I mean, when we immerse people, we're, we're really kind of play acting, dying with Christ, being buried with him, being washed clean, and then being raised with him. That's what the whole thing means. And so we're in Christ. In baptism, it celebrates the in Christ. Then when we take communion, his body, his blood. Jesus said in John 6, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. He's talking about what we did this morning as a celebration of him and us. So baptism is us and him. Communion is him and us. Do you see that? It's played out every time we do baptism and every time we take communion. So that settles the issue, right? No. (laughs) I just want to tell you something, honestly, this morning. I couldn't I couldn't answer the young woman 33 years ago. 
it is very difficult to talk about a spiritual mystery in concrete language. It just is. So please pray for me that somehow I can communicate something that is meaningful this morning as I try to talk about this mystical union between us and Christ. But I will tell you, it is real. It is real. We can't see God, but he is real. We can't see the Spirit, but we know he's real. We couldn't see what was taking place in in Becky's eyes last night. By the way, 100% blind in the left eye, 85% blind or worse in the right eye. She called me a couple of weeks ago and, and, and was crying. And she said, Neil, I don't even want to go to the store with, with, with friends or family because I'm running into things and knocking over end caps and running into shopping carts, and I'm embarrassed by that. And last night when she opened her eyes, I'm really sorry the first thing she saw was Dennis, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I can see you, she says. And she's like, ah! No, I'm kidding. She's like, I can see you. No, that was, that was beautiful. I'm sure his face was beautiful. His suit is too. But anyway. Yes, I know, I know. You picked on me first. Um, by the way, you like my sweater? Thank you. Thank you, see? Um, but Becky was, I mean, she was 100% blind left eye. And we had been praying for her like Probably every month, Linda, Linda Fry and I would go over to her apartment or condo there just off the dirt road on, on uh, Cheyenne, and we would pray for her, and we would pray for her, and we would pray for her. And she called me crying, and she says, Neil, I just got to face the fact that I'm going blind, and that's, that soon, by, probably by summer, I won't be able to see it all. Praise God, that wasn't true. But we didn't see, we didn't see what was happening in the Spirit last night, but did it happen? Yes. Hallelujah. Man. And so it's a mystery. But I'm going to try as best I can to kind of unpack the mystery of you in Christ and Christ in you. Being in Christ is the essence of the Christian faith, the Christian experience, and the Christian message. It starts with the cross, but it culminates in this mystical union of you and Christ and Christ in you. I want to I read something. I love this. When we are in Christ, every part of Christ's life, not only his death, has significance for us. We share in his life, in his obedience, in his death, in his resurrection, and even his ascension. It says in Ephesians 2 that we're seated with him in heavenly places. How can that be? Can you see heaven right now? No, you're looking at me. You don't see heaven. (laughs) You see a guy with a big nose and gray hair. But But you are nonetheless seated with Christ in heavenly places. It is a mystical, spiritual union. We participate in another's victory. I'm going to talk about that. All that is his becomes ours. His relationship with God, his father, becomes our relationship with God. How can such a thing be? God in Christ assumed our full humanity to heal our full humanity. He wrapped himself in our brokenness and took on our humanness so that we could take on his divinity. That doesn't mean that you're God, but the fullness of Christ dwells in you. We're going to talk about that. Oh, man, it's awesome. He came all the way down here to earth to blaze a trail all the way back to God for us to live in the presence of God 
This means our union with Christ is rooted and grounded in Christ's union with us in his incarnation. He became us so that we could live in him. I want to read a couple of things in the scriptures this morning. I'm going to go back to John 14. Referencing last night again, Jesus has just told his disciples, after Philip says, show us the Father, <laughs> he says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? This is, I don't have this on, on the screen, sorry. Uh, the Lord dropped this on me this morning uh, when I was getting ready to come here. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. It is the Father living in me, doing his work. <laughs> believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Now, he's, he's talking about his mystical union with his Father at this point. Or at least believe in the evidence of the miracles themselves, just like the one we saw last night when the blind received their sight. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing, and he will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. That's pretty amazing stuff. Are you serious? Yeah, he's serious. And then he says in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, he says. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. With spiritual eyes, by the way. Because I live, you will live also. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. That's out of his own mouth. And so then he goes on to talk about the Holy Spirit coming. Well, wait a minute. You said you were coming. But now you're saying the Holy Spirit's coming. Which is it, Jesus? And, and I love this, in, 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 ver, in chapter 16, verse 7, it says, It is good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He's going to send a spirit. And then in another place, he says, I'm coming back to you. I'm coming to you. He's talking about the spirit of Christ, his spirit. He was living as a man, fully God, fully man, on earth, they could see him, they could touch him. Even after his resurrection, he was still in a human body, though a, re a resurrected, perfect human body. But he still had to go to heaven and send his spirit back so he could dwell in every one of us. And we could be in him. <laughs> Listen to this. In Christ, you and I, Have the fullness of God in us. Uh, yeah, so, so here, go ahead and, and put up uh, the scriptures from Colossians if you could. This is so important. This is so important. So, okay. I'm going to read just right off the screen. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, how do we receive Christ Jesus? By faith. By faith. We put our trust in him. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. In him we live and move and have our being. Live in him. Draw your life from him. Go ahead. Rooted and built up in him. We're, our roots are in Jesus. We are the 
branch in the vine. We are connected to him in real time, really, right now. Strengthened in, and built up in him. We're, we're growing up in him. We're growing to know him and love him and, and, and to be practicing that connection with him that we did last night. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Wow, overflowing with thankfulness. Man, this morning my heart is just overflowing with thankfulness. Verse 9, listen to This is the kind of the, the crux. This is the key uh, this, this right here that I'm about, I'm about to share, verses 9 and 10, the key to it all. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity, all the fullness of God lives, lives, not lived. There is a human being at the right hand of the Father, our high priest, Jesus Christ, who, who is seated there as a human. He is our, our high priest, our human representative in the Holy of Holies, seated at the right hand of the Father. He did not discard his human body when he returned to the Father. There is a human being in the Trinity, fully God and fully man still. And so for, for in Christ, all the fullness of God lives in bodily form. Look at the next one. And in Christ... You have been brought into fullness. So all the fullness of God is in Christ, and Christ is in you, which means all the fullness of God is in you. It's a mystical union. Guys, I can't make you understand this. I can't make you experience this. But you can experience it. He is the head over every power and authority. Okay, let's go to verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead, verse 13, when you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave us all our sins. All right? Go to the next slide. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. You've been raised with Christ. You you died with him. You were buried with him. He wrapped you in himself and took you to the cross. See, the, the gospel doesn't just start or stop with Jesus died for you. In chapter 6, it says you died with Christ. He died as you. Okay, well, let's understand something. The first Adam plunged us into sin and death. The last Adam took all our sin, our guilt, our shame, all, all of our transgressions, all of our rebellion, and nailed it to the cross, and in doing so, he wrapped you in himself and took you to the cross and crucified you there in his own body, and you died with him. Your sin died right there on the cross. I was telling a young man last night, he just can't get past his guilt. He's like, I've confessed my sins a thousand times. I don't feel forgiven. I said, Jesus died for those sins 2,000 years ago. They're, they're, they're gone You're righteous. You don't feel righteous, but you are righteous because he killed sin on the cross and then he buried you in his tomb and then when he was raised from the dead, you were raised to live a new life in the spirit. Read Romans 6. It's right there. So since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Can you see that? No? I can't see that. I mean, I, I... What does that even mean? Well, it's faith. And I'm going to explain how that plays out in a moment. But go ahead to the next one. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. 
Next slide. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Somehow you are in him. You are in him. It's, it's powerful. So the fullness of God is in you now. You have full access to the throne of grace now. You have full standing as an adult son or daughter now. You have power and authority to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and proclaim the gospel now. You just don't know it. You have the dunamis of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ living in you. And Paul told, told his, his readers this, his churches this, and then he says, he mentions the fact, Paul had begun to kind of walk in the fullness of this. He said, and I'm doing this through all the power at work within me. That's not boasting. He's just acknowledging that Christ in him through his spirit is living out this powerful life through Paul. I'm going to let you in on a secret. Jesus was fully God and fully man, still is. But when he walked the earth, he emptied himself of his glory, which means that he emptied himself of his God mode. And he had to live every day listening to the Father's voice and moving in the power of the Spirit that he received when he was baptized. Just like you and me. Jason Adams and I were talking about this one day, and, and this brilliant young man walks up to my dry, dry erase board in my office, and he draws this line, and, and he says, it's like Jesus' life, and then it says God, fully God, and then fully man. And then he says, uh, heal the sick, cast out demons. Um, and then at some point, and we listed several things that Jesus did, and then he wrote, and never sinned. And he said, you know, uh, there's nothing under the God column. Because he refused to function as God when he was human. And he said, there is a mode that you can go into in these video games where it's called God mode. Where you can't be killed. And you can kill everybody around you, but you cannot be harmed yourself. But it doesn't count. Like, like you can score you know, a billion points, but those points don't count because you're in God mode. You can't lose. And he said... Jesus never functioned in God mode when he was here. He had to rely on the same Holy Spirit that you and I have to. Brilliant. But he said, you know how he was able not to sin? And how he was able to go to the cross and how he was able to do what he did and raise the dead and, and, and you know, do things that we don't, you know, couldn't even dream of? He said it had everything to do with the eternal relationship he had with the Father and the Spirit. Think about that. That's the leg up that Jesus had on us, was the relationship. He knew his father for eternity. And he knew how to hear his voice. He wasn't functioning in God mode. He was functioning in human mode. But he had an eternity of relationship with his father to fall back on. And he also understood how to function in the spirit because he and the spirit and the father created the universe. And they had an eternal relationship. And so Jesus had no problem relying on the spirit. Or trusting in his father and hearing his father's voice. That's the, the difference between you and me and Jesus. When we come to Christ, we're, we're just starting out with a relationship. 
We're, we're accepting Jesus and we don't even know him. We're, we're praying to the Father and we have, no relation, we have no history of relationship with the Father. And that's got to be learned over time. But I'm going to tell you something. We get all of Jesus all at once right at the get-go. We get Christ in us. Or, or we, we get in Christ. And then, secondly, we get Christ in us. So he comes to live in us. It's awesome. Uh, just a, another quick quote from the book here. I love this. Just real quick. Having the Spirit is the equivalent, the very mode of having the incarnate, obedient, crucified, resurrected, exalted Christ indwelling us so that we are united to him. That's what, when we get the Spirit, we get all of Christ and all that he is and all that he has. And so the same Jesus that healed the sick, raised the dead, calm the storm, cast out demons, reveal the truth, and glorify the Father lives in you and lives in me through his Spirit. The same Jesus. And we are to live as he lived, with the same Spirit. But we're, we're working on, I mean, what is working on? We're, by faith, we are embracing, we're laying hold of the truth that we can't see. <laughs> the meaning of union with Christ is the, is the same as the goal of union with Christ, which is having a personal, vital, amazingly real relationship with the indwelling Christ and enjoying the deepest communion with him as we re- live out this reality by faith. Now, here's, I'm going to tell you a secret, a mystery. The promises of God do you no good unless you believe them, unless you tenaciously hold on to them by faith and say a thousand times I may have failed to live in the reality of this truth, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to claim it again and I'm going to walk this out by faith. Derek, I'm not going to get to you this morning. We'll do that another time. I was going to have Derek come up and share something. That's coming. He's got a great testimony. I wanted to share it. But I just feel like I need to keep running with this. One of the things that the Lord has shown me in the last couple of months, and he keeps, and it's not something new. It's something that he's been speaking to me. And that is, Neil, do you really, I mean, you read these promises. You know they're true. But do you believe them for yourself? Like I said to you in Romans 6, because you died with me, you were buried with me, you were raised with me to live a new life in the Spirit, now you're to reckon yourself dead to sin but alive unto God in Christ Jesus. But when you run into a temptation, is that really real to you? Do you really believe that? I was reading last night. I, I, I couldn't sleep. One o'clock in the morning. I'm thinking about standing before you guys, and I still don't feel like I got a sermon. That's, that's one of the things that you guys don't understand about preachers. Like, sometimes we go through weeks, and we're like, yeah, I got this. You know, by Thursday, we're all ready to preach and everything. But then there comes those times where we've worked our behinds off all week. And one o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning, we still don't have the word. We still don't feel like we have a message. 
I've, I've been through that many times. In fact, this morning I woke up. I only got about four hours sleep. I didn't fall asleep till after two in the morning. And I kept praying, Jesus, Jesus, I, I, I just, I need you to give me the word. I woke up and I still didn't have it. I woke up and I still felt very empty and very, I was like, Lord, in a few hours I've got to stand up and say something intelligent to the people listening to me. And I have nothing. And then as I was getting dressed this morning, he just started pouring stuff into my heart because he's in me, see. He's trying to show me to walk by faith. But I was reading last night about, and, and one of the, it was a testimony of, of this young man who said, I used to struggle with this particular sin. And then I saw that I was told in Romans, that Romans 6, that I died with Christ. I was buried with him and raised with him to live a new life in the Spirit. And I'm to reckon myself or count myself or consider myself by faith dead to sin but alive unto God in Christ Jesus. And not to be a slave to sin, not to give the members of my body over to sin. And he said, I took that at face value and I have, I have begun to experience victory over sins that used to wreck me all the time. That's what I'm talking about, guys. It's not just that there's a promise and I believe the promise. But I'm going to stake my life on that. I'm going to stake my life on that. In, in um, 2 Peter 2, chapter 1, it says that by his precious and magnificent promises, we are able to participate in his divine nature. It's as we believe and embrace those promises as truth, we begin to live out Christ in you, you in Christ, me, Christ in me, me in Christ. Now, faith fixes its eyes on Jesus. And like I said, we, this is a process. And, and, and I'm going to call this growing in knowing. Because we have to grow to know Christ. We have to grow to know how to believe his promises, how to take them at face value, how to say, okay, I know that I've tried to, to put my faith in this promise a thousand times and I've failed a thousand times, but a thousand and one times I'm going to get up and I'm going to say, okay, God, I know this is true and I know it's true for me. And therefore, forgetting what lies behind, I press forward to what lies ahead. That's what Paul was talking about. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus, and he says, I have not attained to this yet, but, but this I do, forgetting what lies behind, I press forward to what lies before me. Guys, you have the entire new covenant before you and all the promises there and we just got to keep tenaciously going back to those promises and saying that is a promise and that is for me and that is mine and so I'm going to live this out and here's the thing as we come to do that the Holy Spirit honors our faith and it becomes real to us I want to read uh, one of my favorite streams in the desert, uh, one of my favorite devotional times of all, all time. Nothing shall be impossible to you, Matthew 17, 20. What a, what a promise. Nothing shall be impossible to you. And the author says, it is possible for those who are really willing to reckon on the power of, of the Lord for keeping in victory to lead a life in which his promises are taken as they stand and are found to be true. That's what I'm talking about. It is possible to cast all our care upon him daily and to enjoy deep peace in doing so. It is possible to have the thoughts and imaginations of our hearts purified in the deepest meaning of the word. Pure thoughts, pure imagination. It is possible by taking complete refuge in divine power to become strong through and through 
and where previously our greatest weaknesses lay, to find that the things which formerly upset all our resolves to be patient or pure or humble furnish today an opportunity through him who loved us and works in us in agreement with his will and a blessed sense of his presence and his power to make sin powerless over us. That is possible. And I believe that. And I hope to God that that's my experience in the days to come. These things are divine possibilities. And because they are his work, the true experience of them will always cause us to to bow lower at his feet and to learn to thirst and long for more. We cannot possibly be satisfied with anything less each day, each hour, each moment in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit than to walk with God in faith. Man, that's it. That is it. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story. When I first started coming to this church, um, Phil Shank, who was the pastor at the time, senior pastor, decided to take a group of people uh, on a little uh, trip to eastern Pennsylvania to visit a church and to talk to a pastor who was having a lot of success in church growth. Mennonite pastor. We were Mennonite church at the time. And this, this man was one of Phil's heroes, and so I got to go along. He invited me to go, so we you know, got in the van, and we drove to eastern Pennsylvania and had a great time, talked to the pastor, heard, heard, heard his story and how he had grown this amazing church. It was God who grew it, of course. I think a lot of what's happening right now in our church is what happened there. God was moving. It's God. It's his, it's his work. But uh, the part of the story I want to tell is that, you know, good Mennonites always give you a free bed and breakfast. You don't stay in a hotel when you go to visit Mennonites. You, know, you, stay, in a, you stay in a home of, of uh, Mennonites, and, so, and they don't charge you anything. And, and I remember it was, you know, it was uh, late fall, and it was kind of cold, and, and I remember experiencing my uh, first ever experience of flannel sheets that night. It was awesome, man. <laughs> so... There's a Mennonite couple, they were in their 80s, and they were hosting me and whoever it was that was staying, you know, there were two of us, I don't remember who the other person was, it was a guy, uh, and they said, when you get your stuff put away in your room, come on out to the kitchen, we're going to have sherbet. They had orange sherbet. <laughs> and so I got my stuff put away, and my friend and I came out, and we sat down, and I sat across from them, you know, and... and uh, they, they sat, the, the couple sat side by side on the same t- side of the table, and they had great-grandchildren. And so they started talking about their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren and how proud they were, you know, and all the accomplishments they had, you know, you know done in their, in their young lives. And they were so proud. They were just so proud of, of their family. But here's the thing that struck me the most. He would start a sentence and she would finish it. And then he, she would start a, finish, a sentence and he would finish it. And I wasn't married yet, but I was thinking, if that was my wife doing that, I would be pretty upset that she was interrupting my story. And Deb's like, yep. But you see, they had been married for over 65 years. They, they knew each other so well that they could tell the same story almost with the same brain. They were that one. There was that kind of union. Now, let me tell you this. They were no more married 65 years into this thing than they were the day that they got married. The day that they got married and consummated their marriage, they were as married as they were ever going to be. 
officially 100% you know united in Christ as one as a couple but on that first week of marriage they weren't finishing each other's sentences I guarantee you they were trying to figure out what the other one was talking about if it's anything like my marriage like ah, Deb and I spoke two different love languages I found out five years into my marriage that she spoke uh, quality time and acts of service, I spoke words of affirmation and physical touch. So I would come home and give her a hug, tell her I loved her, and she'd be like, don't touch me. <laughs> you, you haven't spent two hours with me in the last week, and that picture upstairs in the hallway is still sitting there with a hammer and nail by it waiting to be hung. So don't tell me you love me. I'm like, what? <laughs> What's that got to do with the price of eggs in China? You know what I'm saying? I remember one night we, we, we had come home, we were on our way home from a movie. I sat there the whole time with my arm around her holding her hand. And we're driving home from the movie theater and she says to me, you never spend any time with me. I'm like, what are you talking about? I just spent two hours with you holding your hand and watching a movie with you. That doesn't count. We didn't talk. You never looked at me once. I'm like, oh gosh, I just, and then I took the love language test and it's like, Oh, I understand. I still don't understand, but I understand. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we have to grow in, to, know, to know what I'm talking about this morning. I can't give you the formula to help you understand and embrace and begin to walk out union with Christ. You just have to get to know him. But I want to tell you something. Would I, can I just encourage you to do this? Jeremiah, we always remember the Jeremiah 29, 11 thing that says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I mean, that's great. He knows his plans. His plans are good for good, not for evil, to give you a future and hope and all that. Two verses later, though, most important verse that I think may be in the Bible. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, says the Lord. Can I just encourage you to seek the Lord while he may be found? Isaiah 55.11, or 55.5. 6, 55, 6, Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Guys, seek him. Hunger for him. Thirst for him. Go after him. Like the treasure in the field, like the pearl of great price, go after Jesus. And he will be found by you. He will let you find him. He's not trying to hide from you. He just wants you to pursue him. Any lover wants to be pursued. And he will respond. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And the reward is him. <laughs> there is no greater reward. Jesus wants to give himself fully to you. And what that means is that what's already in existence, like the couple that was just married, he wants to give you the 65-year relationship where you're f finishing each other's sentences because you're so one, you're so in union with each other that you have his mind and his heart. And he has your mind and your heart. He wants to speak through your mouth. He wants to live through your life. He wants to heal through your hands. Does that make sense? Union with Christ. What does it mean? You are in Christ. He is in you. And he wants to make that real. If you want it. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.